0: Listening to the Dolly Talks Podcast from My Mom at Dali empowers parents like you with parenting tips. My mom's mission is to help parents make their child raising experience easier and more enjoyable by sharing valuable lessons to save them unnecessary struggles. The Dolly Talks podcast is for any person already parenting or planning on parenting a child. Each week, you'll hear different experts talk with my mom about important aspects of parenting, self-care, and of course, her specialized area of bullying awareness and prevention. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, go ahead and do so now wherever you may be listening. And don't forget to set up your alert so that you don't miss any episodes. Let's get started.
1: Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on to the Dali Talks show. I am excited to have this conversation with you because I really believe in what you're doing. And um, it means a lot to me because, as you know, I've been working in the space of bullying awareness and prevention, and that usually means that I work with teachers and I, I see their challenges as well as parents. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to the point to where you're at now.
2: Sure. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to talk with you again. Uh, So I started my journey as a music teacher. I was a music teacher in the public schools for 15 years. I really thought that was going to be it for me. I I loved it. And I was really great at it. And I built lots of programs. And during COVID, everything kind of shifted for me. I went through a divorce, I moved, I ended up taking some time off of school, I had to figure out teaching music online, you know, all all of the things that everyone was kind of dealing with, plus a couple of little extra special sauce things (laughs) out there as well. And I started my PhD in educational psychology and dove into the research and work of mindset. I became a certified emotional intelligence practitioner, and I've been really studying cognitive neuroscience my whole career. I I was always fascinated by it. I thought if I could understand more about my students' brains, then I could teach them better. So all of those ideas kind of combined into this beautiful moment of me realizing, you know, I think I can maybe pivot and do something different while still honoring my mission in in my work, which is truly to inspire people to discover their voice. So I decided to open up my business and I resigned from teaching, which was incredibly scary at the time. And I started Empowered Educator. So now I work with teachers and school leaders and focus on the social and emotional well-being of all of the adults in schools.
1: And I love that because number one, it's rare to see that. Um maybe it's just me. <laughs> no, but it is. I, yeah, right. Um when I i remember when I began my um Dali talks, I interviewed a lot, a lot of educators. And one of the questions I asked them was, you know, Um, What type of support do you receive when it comes to helping you manage like bullying, you know, at schools? Like who taught you how to manage it, how to, you know, how to identify it and and all that stuff. And all of them said no one. Um, One out of I think the first focus group I did was like 21 teachers. And only one of them had taken a course on inequity, which touched a little bit on um, on bullying. And then when it came to professional development, almost every single one of them, this surprised me because, you know, I was new to the whole, like, what what teaching looks like. And they'd always say, oh, I'm so sick of PD, you know, professional development. They just PD, 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 and it's not really valuable what they're teaching us. So can you speak a little bit on your perspective and your experience as a teacher and what that looked like?
2: Yeah. Um, most of the PD (laughs) sucks. I was, I am fully there with you, um, with all of that and with all of those teachers too, which is, I I think important in regards to what I can bring to the table, um, because I've been on the other side, you know, and especially as a music teacher, as, as an encore class, you know, there are so many times that I mean, hours and hours and hours of my life (laughs) <laughs> clearly I still have some feelings about this, you know, sitting in the auditorium, just thinking to myself, all of the other things I could be doing in this moment, and how, you know, this is just not relevant to me. And the thing is, if if they were creating some sort of new initiative, which on the surface seems really important, so many of us were so overwhelmed or had, you know, whiplash from the all the new initiatives that were happening year after year after year that there wasn't any engagement there was no buy in so it was a waste of time a waste of money and of course i'm generalizing here you know i could probably pick out a handful and maybe still have fingers left over for how many of them were like really great but um it it, it does it's not it's not always what teachers need you know i think Uh, A lot of times it serves a different purpose, either to check a box or to move into a direction of an idea that an administrator has or a new focus of whatever the school is going to go. And there's there's value in that. But at the end of the day, if the teachers aren't present mentally, emotionally, it's a waste. And so the work that I do is kind of that fundamental work to get educators in a spot for them to be open. For them to have agency in how they want to show up in any given time and space and to feel empowered as to, okay, I can't change the fact that I have to be in this meeting all day. How do I want to show up? And that's a skill set that is not taught. And that's where Empowered Educator comes in
1: hmm uh, you make so many very good points. No, first, because I think a lot of parents listening are going to ask, well, what do you mean, you know, all this PD is, uh, it sucks and it's not very valuable. Can you give us some examples of the type of professional development um, <laughs> that you were <laughs> provided that, you know, on the surface you said it, it looked good, but really that's not what teachers needed?
2: Yeah, you know, and I think for, for the parents listening out here too, you know, comparing it to any, any, any sort of, I want to say corporate job too, you know, you know, there are, there are things that, and and initiatives that happen, or sometimes there's state mandates, right. Or, um, even just the safety protocols that have happened in the the last couple of years, you know, at some point it doesn't matter how important it is. What matters is the recipient's ability to receive. Right. And so I think that piece of it is is the part that is ignored where someone has the idea of like hey this is going to be a great idea for our school and it's going to move our school in all these new directions and it and on paper it looks awesome but if the teachers and the the people receiving whoever you are are not mentally open and available it's falling on deaf ears and so um i think the idea that a lot of this pd is is not relevant or valuable I think you bring up a a, you know you made me think of this good point it's missing the piece that it's not necessarily the content but it's how it's being received and uh, that part needs to happen in order for any new things to come to fruition
1: okay and so how often do teachers usually have PD
2: oh well that depends um you know oftentimes at least in New York where I am generally there's you know uh, three-ish full days. And if you are in a district that's really supportive of, you know, your professional growth and development, you can often get leave. So, you know, when I was teaching, I would seek out conferences because as a music teacher, especially, I really wanted to get good at my craft. And my district was hardly ever, if at all, providing music-specific professional development. So I would go seek it out myself and I would travel and I would, so I would get leave time too. But, you know, there are a handful of days and there are certainly requirements depending upon which state you're in to maintain your professional certification that you need a certain amount of hours of professional development.
1: So you said three days, three days, oh, a school year, a yeah. month. Okay, mm-hmm. All Yeah, right. a school year. Mm-hmm. So then what are those um, training days that kids, you know, they, they're they released like half a day and then the teachers stay back. Is that not considered part of professional development time that's provided to the teachers?
2: Uh, I think, I mean, in my experience, yes, but I think it also depends upon the district. I, you know, every... I've worked now with a lot of districts across the country and, and no two are the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes there's that leave time to do things like um, professional learning communities where teachers get together who are in teams, for example, in middle school, often the middle school model has to do with teams. You know, if that sounds familiar, your child kind of goes through the same five teachers. It's not mm-hmm. kind of all over the place, like in high school. Um, so the team teachers would get together and talk about each individual student um, or for example, all of the science teachers would get together and make sure the curriculum was really aligned. So sometimes those days aren't necessarily professional development as in someone's coming in to teach content, but there's actual working hours where that's where a lot of the juicy stuff happens that moves kids forward in the directions that they need to go.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh wow. I, I there's so much going on. I'm realizing that and that's that I volunteered for years at schools. So I kind of got to see some of the work that teachers do. And it's very admirable. It's, it looks, um, oh my gosh, very exhausting some days, depending on what's going on. But um, you also mentioned, um, you know, this, uh, the training and the and, uh, I would assume that this burns out a lot of teachers because they have, you know, to do their own professional development, always making sure that they're on top of their own things. But then there's also the support that's sometimes provided or not provided at schools. So what, can you give us an idea of some of the challenges that teachers um, have when dealing with te- with the parents and dealing with administration?
0: Well,
2: how long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's funny. That's usually um, the answer that I get from my teachers too. When you know, whenever I first start to work with anybody, we have to talk about the stressors first because otherwise, it's it's as as if we're just ignoring them, and we're saying, okay, well, now you're going to be doing this other thing in my world, you you have to understand what the stressors are so we can talk about them in a way that's productive instead of either, you know, shoving them down and pushing them aside, which obviously causes more angst and stress and frustration and anxiety and all of that, all of that stuff. Um, or we're just complaining about Mm it. Right. And so unless we have a safe space to get it out, um, we're not able to deal with it proactively. So, you know, it's, it's everything, Dolly. And and the thing is, yes, there are so many external stressors um, and it's important to separate all of the external stressors from the internal stress, because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what the external stressors are. We all experience stress internally the same. So what could be really stressful for me, for example, might not be stressful for you, but you might find something else very stressful that I'm totally cool with. So, you know, the the different, you know, dynamics and e- the ecosystems within the school, all of the different energies and emotional, you know, experience and and trauma that's coming into the classroom. Um, not just from the kids, but, but also in your colleagues too, right? The different dynamics in the relationships that you have with all of the adults, the political climate, right? The, um, community climate, the social climate of the school, the relationships with parents. I mean, the, plus, you know, the little thing, the pandemic, which is causing a lot of, um, information gaps, you know, that that they're finding now of, of ha- the learning gaps that are happening and s- programs are getting cut. Like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's everything. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, I can go on and on forever, but I'm not, I'm not as interested in that because, um, at the end of the day, it doesn't, it doesn't matter unless we deal with the internal stress. Right. And it's understanding, okay, all of these things are happening. These are external things totally out of my control. How do I handle my own stress so I can show up as my best self and make empower decisions that will move me forward in reaching my goals and how I want to show up how I want to be and how I want to live my life both at work and at home
1: yeah so so let's talk about what that looks like when you as um, the person helping teachers because I know on one side is parents have such a powerful voice that they can request certain things for teachers and from what I've been told by every single teacher I've ever spoken to is when the parent asks, the administration listens, but when the teacher asks, they're kind of like, whatever. <laughs> so yeah. So how, what does that look like with um, that relationship with the parents and the teacher? How can they help one another out?
2: Well, you know, I think it's, it's really important to understand that everyone's on the same team. Right. Yes. And so, you know, when, when a teacher is reaching out about your child it's not an us versus, like, they're no bad guys, mm-hmm. right? There's not an us versus them. Uh, and it's so easy to point fingers when our feelings are hurt or uh, we are, um, our ego is, is hurt a little bit, you know, maybe about something that that was said or, or there's some sort of um, defensiveness that happens when a teacher is calling about your child. But at the end of the day, you both have the same goal, right? And and finding that common ground is really important because um, then you can start to have a conversation, right? Um, And so having that understanding, first of all, and then the next thing is, if you're a parent who's like, yes, got that. I'm obviously, Jen, totally with you. um, Ask your teachers, like, how can I support you? What do you need? And if just that question alone Opens up a door of communication and trust. And that way, when things come up throughout the year and, and along the line, there's a, a pathway now that's open and a relationship that can be built um, because teachers need support. You know, yes, kids are with them most of the day, but then they're also with you most of the day. Mm-hmm. So, in working together, we can all reach those same goals.
1: Yeah. Thank you, thank you so much for for uh, letting know for um, explaining that because I feel like parents uh, really are afraid of asking certain questions to the teachers. And you're right, I see a lot of us versus them mentality, which is one of the things that I always tell them, like, hey, you guys, you're um, you're you know allies. Um, Whatever your child needs, you both want the same end result, right? Which is safety of your child them to achieve, you know, their academic goals um, in a healthy way and for them to also have fun because learning doesn't have to be boring. <laughs> so, totally. um, so let's talk about these empowered uh, educator um, workshops that you do, the series. They sound really interesting and fun, to be honest. Um, and um, you, again, you talk about emotional intelligence, mindset, cognitive neuroscience. And a lot of people are like, what the heck is cognitive neuroscience? And how does that, how does that benefit my child's teacher? So can you talk a little bit about about that?
2: Yes. Oh, this gets my tail wagging. So all (laughs) of this is really about, um, understanding your brain and, and it really boils down. That's what cognitive neuroscience. My world is, is really about understanding your brain. And here's the thing, you know, we, we underestimate the power of this tool between our ears all the time. And up until recently, when I first started really diving into this work, I just thought, you know, I had a brain, like I have a heart and I have lungs and I have a stomach and everyone just kind of does its job. And here I am just kind of along for the ride. When in fact you have so much more agency than you realize in how to live your life. And once you understand that, you know, 95 to 97% of the time we are operating on our subconscious, which means we are just kind of on autopilot We're in default, you know, we are, you know, just having these knee jerk reactions to everything that's happening around us, which causes a lot of the stress that we're feeling when we can tap into that three to 5% of consciousness to make informed decisions in the moment of how do I want to show up right now? Everything changes, everything changes. So, you know, why I love your work and what you're doing and how I think what I do and what you do has a a really nice partnership um, is because in those moments of activation, in those moments of triggering and those moments of um, hurt and pain, it is so important that we know how to navigate that. As best we can so we can get to the other side with um, compassion and grace and growth and unless we know what those skills are everyone's just hurt and in pain all the time and it doesn't have to be that way Um, and, and what I've seen as a result of some of the teachers who have been working through my programs is that Yes, I work exclusively with teachers and and administrators, adults really right now, parents too, Um, but this filters into the kids because they show up differently, their interactions with other adults are different, their interactions with other kids are different, because let's just take this example, right? A kid comes in activated, which then triggers the teacher, Mm -hmm. right? The teacher then is activated and then continues to trigger the student and then the trigger, 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 and then someone gets sent to the office. Right, and it's not the teacher. <laughs> um, and then, so in in what I teach is in that moment you notice that oh, okay, I'm feeling activated right now. What can I do to deactivate my nervous system so I can actually show up and give this child what they need? That their behavior actually isn't about me at all, and that moment is critical to changing the trajectory of everything that's going to happen next.
1: That is so important because as you're saying this, I'm thinking, you know, we have all these unconscious biases, all these unconscious beliefs. And Mm -hmm. yeah, if you're already triggered and you're receiving that negative energy because the child walked in and something happened, um, sometimes, you know, we're human and we make mistakes and we judge based off of those unconscious biases. Mm-hmm. Um, so when thinking about your because you have a workshop that I saw and I was like, oh, I want to take this one. The confidence in conflict workshop. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, that is so good. I wish every teacher had the opportunity to take that because I see um, situations that happen at schools where the teacher is so frustrated and sometimes taken aback or even nervous and it just goes sideways and then the child is if is left thinking well that teacher doesn't care about me and then the parent is informed about what happened and then now the parent thinks well what the heck is going on why are you not defending my child and that just stresses out the teacher and of course um they worry about how they're going to be reviewed and you know is is this parent now going to go to the principal and say, you know, I didn't do right by their child. And how will that look on me in my career?
2: So can we and talk about it? Down and down and down we go, right? It's <laughs> <Right? laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. snowballs. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about the workshops that you offer teachers.
2: Sure. So uh, there's a couple of ways that I get the work out there. I offer, usually they either monthly workshops or bimonthly workshops that anybody can join. Um, that confidence in conflict one is one of them um, and really goes through my tenets of what it means to be an empowered educator. There are eight of them and it's mission and vision. It's metacognition, which is a big word for brains <laughs> thinking about how we're thinking, right? Um, reflection, which really goes into those um, those biases, those implicit biases that you were talking about. We talk about advocacy and the power of our language well-being and emotional intelligence. And so all of the workshops really fall into one of those eight categories with the idea being, you know, going through the program really gives you the skill set to feel empowered. And what's beautiful about it is that I've had people go through my entire course multiple times, because once you reach a ceiling, then all of a sudden your ceiling becomes your floor. And now you're a new person now. And then all of a sudden you start to get really deeper into the work. So the work doesn't stop. You just don't wake up one day and you're like, I'm empowered now and everything's great. It is a practice. And it is also a practice that I do every single day. Everything that I teach, I work on myself. So I am constantly an example of the work for the people that I am working with, which is really important to me because I, I need to be, I need, I need to be that example, um, to show you and anyone who I work with that, Not only is this possible, but it's limitless, you know, and so I'm constantly pushing the boundaries of of my own abilities to show up the way I want to show up. So everyone who who is works with me knows that they can, too. Um, But this particular confidence and conflict class is new that came out of actually a podcast episode that I did with my sister who is certified as a mediator um, and in conflict management. She's also certified emotional intelligence practitioner. She actually works in the veterinary industry, but she pretty much does the same thing that I do, but in that industry. So the two of us have been, you know, since we were little wanting to work together. (laughs) So it's been really cool that now we're finally here, um, able to do that. So she and I were having a, a podcast episode. We were talking about confidence and conflict and conflict management. And out of that podcast, this workshop was born because we were like, this needs to be more than just that podcast episode. So um, really it's about understanding why you have feelings, why you have whatever feelings you have about conflict and understanding the self-awareness skills to identify in the moment, how you are feeling recognizing your hot buttons, what, you know, really triggers you, um, what makes you either fight, flight, or freeze. And you can pretty easily, once we dive in, it's, it's pretty easy to identify, understand, you know, some of like where that even came from, you know, depending upon how you grew up, conflict was different for everybody in, in everybody's household. You know, for me growing up, I was pretty conflict avoidant. So when I got to work, I, it was more important for me to be agreeable than to speak my mind and potentially cause conflict even though I needed to advocate for myself or problem solve and so what happens is you create this toxic silence which isn't healthy either so it's identify and, it's just, and that's just me there are several of those you know that, that we go through um, and what's really special about that particular course is it comes with an assessment that goes through the organization that we're working with so you actually get an individualized and personal um, report as to how you are right now dealing with conflict so you know where you can focus your energy on and how you want to improve so I'm really excited about it
1: yeah I love this I think every parent should take it Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I constantly think like, why is this child getting to me when she does this or says that, you know, (laughs) so yeah, I'm I'm very much into the looking within because it's so hard to dig it out and then going to a professional who knows how to pull those things out of you, you know, to to help you look within. Um, I think that's super valuable. Um, so the, your workshops, are they usually one day? Are they several, you know, how long are they? Oh,
2: it depends. So, um, a lot of, most of them are just one, one day, an hour, two hours, because really what that is, you know, it's, it's kind of a taste as to what I do. Um, because ultimately it's, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful to do a workshop with individual teachers. We kind of get to know each other. And I have several teachers who come back week after week or month after month month or or in several of my programs. Um, But where I focus a lot of my attention is going into school districts, because that really changes the culture of the school where, you know, if we're going to a faculty meeting and I'm like, hey, Dolly, I'm going to be two minutes late because I need to calm down my nervous system. And you're like, cool, Jen, see you soon. Like, that's kind of the conversation that I envision for an empowered educator school district. Um, So a lot of the programs that I offer for individual teachers, like I said, are these, you either monthly or bi-monthly programs. I also have an awesome subscription um, where you get group coaching with me once a month and a beautiful video library of all of these self-regulation techniques. Um, But having that community with other teachers is really important. So that group coaching aspect where you can actually see other educators who are working on the same thing, develop relationships with them too. So you know that you're not alone in this work, that there are people who are really showing up for themselves. And like you said, You know, pointing inward, you know, everything that you need, you have inside of you already. Mm -hmm. And all I do is just kind of shine a little flashlight (laughs) so you so you can see it yourself. Um, but it's it's been really beautiful for teachers, educators, and really everybody. You know, my my I say educators, but my definition of of an educator is really anyone who works with kids, whether you're a parent or you know, you're a librarian or you know, a pediatrician, like whatever, you're an educator. You are educating our youth. Um, so it's, it's important for everybody to, to understand their own power and to feel empowered in every given situation. Yeah. Uh, Jen,
1: I love it very, very much. Um, I especially appreciate that this is all research-based. That's, yeah, yeah, that's so important to me, even if it's something for my own personal life, I want something that's research-based that it's solid. I it's reliable. Um, so, so when you're, uh, working with, uh, schools, do you, are you, I'm asking this question because if people are listening and they're like, wow, we could really use this at my school, you know, who do, who do we, who should people go to? Like, Hey, I know Jen and she does these workshops. Um, so is that something that should be, uh, referred to the principal or maybe PTA? Like who usually pays for these types of classes for the teachers? Because. Uh, teachers already spend a lot of their own money for funding. other things. So mm-hmm. we want to make sure that we help our teachers by going to the right people who have the funding.
2: Yeah, which is also why um, the one-off workshops that I do for teachers are usually at a very low price point or, or free. Um, and the subscription is the same way mm-hmm. because teachers um do not need to pay for their own PD. They're, they're, I believe very strongly that there needs to be um, funding for them. And if you want to do all these extra little things, great, but the bigger stuff, that that can be paid for in other ways. And, and there is funding out there. And to answer your question, it's different for every district. Um, a lot of times the PTA is, is a great place to start, uh, particularly if you want to even even provide a gift. You know, the, the programs that I'm offering for these individual teachers are, like I said, at a really low price point to get somebody in. So um, I'm not sure when this is airing, but, you know, during the holidays, that's something that I'm definitely putting out there as a, a parent gift to a teacher is get them a subscription to my break time, you know. Get them um, a, a, a go in with everybody and get them a, a course, you know, for that that I have because that is you know, a mug is great, I guess, (laughs) or like, if you get to Dunkin' Donuts is fine, I guess. But like, if you really want to help a teacher and show them that, you know, yes, I care about you and I value you and thank you for taking care of my child. And I want you to show up as your best self. Like, think about it, right? When you are going in for surgery, you want the best doctor and that doctor better have had a good night's sleep the night before. Right, I mean, yeah. like that's it, you know. Like, and and we need to look at our the work of our teachers and our my Again, like administrators too, the same way. We want teachers to be able to show up as their best selves because what they're doing is so important. And and here's where I mean, if I talk a lot to you about this even more, I, I will get I burst into tears because this is the thing that, yes, empowered educator is for teachers. But it's really for kids. (laughs) Right. Because empowered teachers empower their students. Happy teachers make happy students. And, you know, if we look at the the great resignation that's happening right now and the burnout that's that's happening, those teachers are showing up for your kids. And it's just not it's not okay. And. We need actual solutions that are more than just mental health days and massages and bubble baths. And those things are great, but it doesn't lead to sustainable well-being. This does because it teaches the skill sets that you need to show up every day and puts the power back in your hands to decide how you want to be. Um, So that's, those are, you know, answered your question and then some, but, uh, you know, the best thing to do actually is if you're unsure is head over to my website, which is empowerededucator.com and either shoot me an email via the um, contacts page or just schedule a connection call with me. Um, That's the best way that I get to know you and what your needs are and how I can help support you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I also saw that you offer so you offer coaching, you offer the work the workshops, but you also offer keynote speaking. And I think mm-hmm. that's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you have a resource library available on your website, which I want people to, to know about and use. And on top of that, you have your podcast.
2: Yeah, And I just have, um, starting uh, December 6th to, um, a radio show called let's talk about this. And, um, and that's going to be an ongoing thing where I answer questions. So I have a place for people to record their questions and, uh, I bring on a friend of mine and, you know different a different person each week and we answer your questions together and that's been really fun and, and a good way to really get to know like what are you thinking about and how can we help support you so i can share that link too um, if people wanted to ask a question and be heard on the show yes absolutely
1: i love that because sometimes people do want to ask the questions but they don't know who to ask or um, they they think about it in the moment and then later forget. So having the link will be very, very useful. Um, there was another question I had in regards to uh, gifting this, uh, the workshops or any of your services to teachers. Um, what have you seen uh, that is the biggest challenge when you go to a school and offer your services? Let's talk about that so that parents can kind of like have that in mind and maybe think of how to overcome that objection.
2: A challenge about getting me like getting the work in the door. Right. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I haven't had any because the the truth is, people who want to work with me want to work with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, so I I can't deliver this work unless people are ready for it. Because at the end of the day, if you know you there are folks who are sitting with their arms crossed who are like, Oh, what's this new thing coming down the pike now, you know, put this on my plate. Um, it's not going to have, it, it's, it's a waste. And so when I have the conversation with either the teachers or the parents, and then it gets to the point where I'm talking with the, the person who will decide, okay, is this something that we want to bring to our school district? If that person is, is, Usually at that point, that person is saying to me, yes, thank you. Where have you been all my life? I, we, we need this, you know, our morale is low. Our, you know, we have problems with retention. We have teacher absenteeism. We have, you know, chaos. I feel like I'm just like putting out fires all the time. We have, you know, these group of really great teachers who are starting to burn out and I want to be able to support them. So when I come in, I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. I can help you with all of that stuff. Here's what I need from you in order to set the stage. So when I come in, we're ready to go. Um, So, and, and again, usually it comes from some sort of, referral, someone who knows of me, someone who's taken my course before. So it's not just me being like, Hey, this is, you know, these are Jen's great ideas. (laughs) They're not, you know, it's, this is a research-based program where now I have this person, this person, this person, this person that you know, who has already seen results. I'll tell you, I have this one woman, I mean, so many, but one in particular I'm thinking of right now, I've been, I maybe have seen her five times in the last two months. And she said to me the other day, Jen, I cannot believe how much change that I have made in my life because of the work that we have done together in this short amount of time. She's like, I have gone to therapy for years. I have read every single self-help book and nothing has stuck the way that this work has stuck. And she, has, she gave me example after example after example in these moments where old her would have been activated and el- escalated a situation. And now all of a sudden she's showing up completely differently and is already noticing an effect not just in her own well-being, but her family, how she's showing up with her family, how she's showing up with her coworkers, how she's showing up at the doctor's office. Like, you know, these are these are life changes that happen uh, just in the, the even just a small amount of time with the work that people do with me. So, you know, the more we can get on board, with this and and particularly this idea that you know nothing changes if nothing changes it doesn't matter what kind of new curriculum or new initiative you're throwing at people if if the the foundation isn't there nothing's ever going to change uh, I thank you so much for sharing that uh, because that was going to be my next question can you share something
1: you know like a positive experience that you had with a client and that's really good to know because you're absolutely right I find that when you start working in a certain area in your life, it just impacts the rest. Yeah. Well,
2: wherever you go, there you are. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You're the same person, both at work and at home. you know? So that's another thing too. You know, what I I talk about, yes, we, we first talk about work, but oftentimes what happens is, is like, well, this thing is happening too. And this thing is happening too, which is why the, the podcast is so cool because I get to actually address a lot of those, those things, not directly in my workshops necessarily, but, For example, one of the people are like, I'm really stressed out about money. Okay. So if you are stressed out about money and you're showing up to school and you know you can't pay your bills or you have an overdue this or whatever, how are you showing up? You're not. So, okay, let me get a financial person on here and we're going to talk finances, you know, it's not going to be me, but I have, I have now a, a person there. I have another person, um, a divorce coach, you know, you're going through a divorce and you're going to school. How are you showing up? Well, let's have someone come on and I'm um, you know, it's going to talk to you about how you can manage that. So you can be your best self when you're with your students. Um, I, next week I have a fashion stylist coming on because if you're feeling frumpy dumpy in your clothes and you're not feeling confident, well then how are you showing up? And these are, these are direct responses from what teachers are telling me they need. So, you know, again, it's not just, this is what I think you need. I am listening to what the the um the tone is and delivering really what you're asking for.
1: Yeah. This is so helpful because you know what? I think that we need to humanize teachers more. I I don't think I don't think that parents and kids, because like if I'm at Target and my child and this has actually happened, my kids will see one of their teachers, they're like, oh my gosh, there's my teacher and oh my gosh, look, she has a husband. (laughs) And I'm like, of course, we're like, oh my gosh, she's with her child. I'm like, she's a mom. Like, yes, your teacher's human too. Mm -hmm. And parents, parents do that too sometimes and don't realize it because they'll bump into a teacher, they're like, oh, this is odd. I'm bumping into, you know, it's, it's not Mrs. So-and-so this is now a human being with a whole life, just like you. So, yeah,
2: yeah. um, yeah. And actually yes. I do want to speak to that for a second because, um, so my Ted talk was, um, in October and the link that like the clip that went viral, like right now, over a million people have seen this clip right now. Ooh, Dolly. Congratulations! It's just wild. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it's just wild, but you know, it's, it's, it's more about, understanding this is the message people needed to hear right now like that that to me is is what i'm getting out of this well it's yes a million people that's remarkable because this is how much this is resonating and the clip that that went viral it says teachers aren't superheroes and what happens is when we make the the correlation to superheroes and, and the comparison to superheroes we forget that teachers are human you know we we Look at these superheroes who have no regard for their own well-being, right? I mean, I say in the clip, um, you know, you don't ever hear Superman just taking a day for himself <laughs> for, for his own well-being, right? That's ridiculous. Like, he's fine. He's totally fine. Um, and so that narrative that teachers are superheroes is really dangerous. It's dangerous for for everybody who is interacting with them because the expectations are so high, but also really dangerous for the the educators themselves because they think, and I totally drank the Kool-Aid too. In fact, I I wrote about it in my book years ago. The second line in my book said, teachers are superheroes. That's how much I was drinking the (laughs) Kool-Aid. I needed to believe I was a superhero so I could justify all of the chaos. I could justify anything because I could take it. I was fine. I was fine. I was fine. I was not fine. We're not fine. And in acknowledging that I am human, I am mortal and I actually need things. That's all of a sudden where we start to have a different conversation. And it's super important that we acknowledge the humanness of the people who are taking care of our kids.
1: Mm, yes. Ooh, I've got to watch your TED talk. yes.
2: i link to that too. I completely forgot. Um, and you also have a book, right? I do. Yeah. So that book is. uh I wrote that specifically for music teachers, although it applies to everybody. You know, you just kind of, you know, insert whatever you want for the word music. Um, but it's called "A Place in the Staff: Finding Your Way as a Music Teacher." But uh, there is going to be another book coming down the pike: "Empowered Educator." Um, once, once my dissertation is complete, (laughs) (laughs) one one thing at a time, but yes, there, there's another book coming. Yeah.
1: Oh man, I'm excited to, to read, uh, your book and, um, I am excited that you are doing this work because I, you know, being in this work in this field, um, trying to support teachers with the, you know, bullying awareness education, um, I hear the frustrations, um, I hear that they feel alone that the administration is either too busy, doesn't care or doesn't have enough funding or or enough time uh, to make sure that they give them the best. and and our teachers do they they deserve the best. And um, before we wrap it up, one of the things that I always tell parents is you know, support your parents, but, Myths and misconceptions get in the way. So, are there any, say, like top three myths or misconceptions that you would like to share with our listeners, so that you know we eradicate them and get those out of the way, so we can provide better support to our teachers?
2: Yeah, um, I think I think the biggest one is this idea of of like we talked about it before, and I think I'm going to circle back to it. Is this us versus them? And there's this us versus them in a lot of different ways, right? There's like child parent there's child teacher, there's parent teacher, parent administrator, teacher administrator, right? And so whenever we're angsty about something, it's just really easy to point the finger. Well, if they would just, or if only they could, or shouldn't they be able to, or why don't they, whatever, right? Um, Everybody is going through their own journey, period. And to to do the inner introspective work as much as possible also provides you with another lens of grace and compassion for the other person across the table, right? It is not anybody's fault, right? We are here now because of a result of decades of ridiculous chaos and nonsensical policy about how we operate schools i mean schools are functioning essentially the same way as they did at the turn of the century right i mean we don't live in that world anymore yet that's how our school systems are designed so we're basing a whole system on a tradition Which in my world, you know, tradition is just peer pressure from dead people. Like that's how (laughs) I, I see tradition, right? And like, cool, tradition's awesome if it's serving you, right? I'm all for that. If it's serving you and it's meaningful and it makes sense and it's relevant, yes, this is part of our tradition here. But if we're just doing it because this is how we do it, that is not acceptable, it is, I'm not available for that anymore. And the more people wake up to that, the less they're ab- available for that too. And so understanding that all of these systems and structures, it's in the air that we breathe, right? And so it's nobody's fault. However, it is your responsibility to show up differently when you know better. And it is also your responsibility to find the avenues for information and knowledge, so you can know better. It is It is not acceptable for me to just blindly walk through life in this role as an educator anymore. That is, I like I said, you know, I'm not available for that, which is why I do the work that I do. Um, but it's not an us versus them. It's in all of us. And understanding that connected oneness, which can be very difficult to acknowledge in conflict right <laughs> um but it's there and and we are connected and we are all working towards the same things so finding ways to create common language common ground so we can start someplace and grow together instead of separately i, I think is going to be essential for any kind of change
1: mm, thank you so much last question to the new teachers out there who are struggling what advice would you give
2: them Mm, This one's easy. This is the fundamental principle of Empowered Educator. The most generous thing you can do for your students is take care of yourself, period. Write that down. Make sure you look at it every day. Anytime you are feeling like I should do this or I should do that or a good teacher does this or a good teacher does that. You look at that and you know that the most generous thing you can do for them is take care of yourself. Because if you are not well and and feeling great, you're not actually showing up for them at all.
1: Mm, very good. Sage advice. Thank you so much, Jen. I, I love having this conversation and I'm sure you know
2: this, that you and I
1: could probably talk for hours and hours
2: <laughs> about this. Yes. Well, I'm looking forward to continuing this even off air where this yes. is just the beginning of right. Dolly and Jen. <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> well, thanks again, Jen, for coming on to the Dali Talks podcast and for always being, um, you know, it's such a, a wealth of knowledge and a, a resource to our communities and to our teachers. My
2: Thank- pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: If you did, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you may be listening and write a review. If you want more tips or some behind the scenes videos, make sure to follow my mom at Dolly Talks on Instagram. You can turn on notifications for her posts and stories as well. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. See you next time.